Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the, what the hell is it? the second day of August 2022. Happy Tuesday to you. Oh man, lots going on. I want to get to the news as quickly as possible. Just let me tell you, people are entering left and right. I'm surprised Dan Quayle isn't more popular than he is. Nobody likes Dan Quayle, but you can win an autographed Dan Quayle or Kurt Schlichter book at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or at DerekHunter.locals.com. Former Vice President versus Kurt. And people are going for Kurt overwhelmingly from a strictly resale value point. For a fund value point of view, you're right. But from a, a resale value point of view, I think Quail is probably historically going to sell for a little bit more than Kurt does. But it's your choice. That's the beauty of the contest. All right. So go there, enter, and all that good stuff. Appreciate your support. We have a, a lot to get to. Lots of stuff going on, but as I promised last time we talked, that I was just thinking about going to New Jersey. Why, I don't know. New Jersey. Uh, so I got up Saturday morning. I guess it was probably 4 o'clock. That's when the alarms started going off, and then you start doing the math in your head about how much time you actually need to get there. But I was meeting my uh, best friend for breakfast at 7.30-ish. In his, he lives in New Jersey. I'm like, ah, I gotta go. I got up and I went there. It's a lovely drive. There's nothing. It's great driving at that time. There's nobody there. Had a great breakfast. Stayed longer than I should have. Ended up getting to Atlantic City about ten after ten. Wasn't able to park till eleven. It was so packed full of people for the National Sports Card Collectors Convention. I brought a bunch of stuff to trade. I had my mind set on a couple of cards. I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I want to get these cards. I've wanted these cards for a long time, and this is the place to get them. Everything was so damned overpriced. I could have traded, I could have, you know, I did sell, and I could have taken the money I got and, you know, dumped it into these cards, and I could have gotten the card. But I thought, once you get that money in your pocket, I don't know. I knew I could do better. I know I can do better on the price of cards. It might take some time, but you just got to be patient. So if I really wanted these cards, I probably would have bought them. That kind of tells me something. But I just then I drove home that night. I was there for at the show for like four and a half hours. And that was enough. It was really crowded, but uh, a good time. Saw a lot of very expensive cards, including probably a 30 to $35 million card. The most expensive, probably it's never been so, or hasn't been sold in so long. It's a Gem Mint 10 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle rookie. Not really his rookie because he was in the 51 Bowman set, but uh, for some reason that is the most expensive card around. It always is. And I'll tell you how screwed up things have gotten. There was a, a card, there was a version of that card. If you've ever seen it, I just Google it. You'll probably have seen the card, even if you don't care about baseball. This is how expensive, and I can't say, I guess it's valuable. I wouldn't pay it, but some people must. They have a bunch of different, you can see them all over the place. And some of them look like they were just literally put in a blender. Bent up, somebody wadded it up like, oh my God, the, the warden's coming. We're not supposed to have this baseball card. And they wad it up, stick it in their mouth. And, t- and then the warden goes by and they spit it out and flatten it out. 
Some of those cars, they're like asking $25,000 for that. And then one of them I saw had, it was, somebody took scissors to it and cut the sides off all the way around. It wasn't just, didn't seem like it was just trimmed the edges, but trimmed the, the whole thing down. It was a shell of what it once was. And then they, they seemed to have defecated on her, whatever the hell they did to it. And I asked the guy, this guy from uh, Huggins and Scott Auctions, uh, House of Cards here in, in Maryland in Silver Spring. Great store and a good auction house. And their rates are a little bit high for me as far as the premiums. You've got to add 18%. But um, I asked him, I said, what is that going to go for? Like, is somebody really going to buy that thing? Who, like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. If somebody gave it to me, I'd be like, no, thank you. I don't, I don't, I don't, want, I don't even consider it the card. Like it's got to have ninety five or more percent of the card for it to be considered the card. He said uh, it'll go between for between eight and ten thousand dollars. Like really? Like what recession? Now, maybe it's just three rich guys out there bidding against each other and all this stuff. But what recession if a shell of something can go for eight to ten thousand dollars? Good lord! I mean, how desperately do you want one? Seems like you could maybe pool your money together a little bit longer and come up with uh, a better version of the card that's actually the card. Anyway, there, like I say, there's a lot going on, but I thought I'd fill you in on my trip to New Jersey. And New Jersey, um, not New Jersey in general, but uh, Atlantic City is still just every bit as awful as I thought. You'd think their convention center would be conveniently located to handle high-volume traffic and a lot of parking. You would be wrong. I went last time... Two, four years ago to Atlantic City. Granted, things were different. It was pre-COVID and the, the hobby hadn't exploded the way that it has, but there, there was ample, I remember there being ample parking. Now there was like nothing, nothing. I had to park a mile away. Didn't get it. Anyway, like I say, there's a lot going on and a million things to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about the myth of Joe Manchin. Can we pretend, stop pretending that Joe Manchin is some kind of moderate? That Joe Manchin is interested in anything except for what Joe Manchin can get away with. He made the rounds on the Sunday show. He always gets the, oh, he's a, he's, a, he's a moderate. Joe Manchin has never once been the difference-making vote in favor of something that went against what the Democratic Party wanted. It doesn't matter when the chips are down, when everything is equal, when there's a, it really is up to Joe and just Joe. Joe is always sided with the party. When it's, it's 55 against and 44 for Joe will go, Oh, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm against this too. Why? Because and I'll side with the Republicans. Why? Because then he can go back to West Virginia which is a Republican state, which is a conservative state, and say, see, I side with Republicans a lot of the time. Never when it matters. Never once when it matters. And that's important. Maybe the people of West Virginia, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I know anybody from West Virginia. But maybe they're particularly stupid or maybe they're blissfully ignorant and are happy to be lied to. I don't know what the case is. They keep electing this guy. They elected him governor. That's fine. They can pick who they want. I just, listening to the people talking, listening to Joe Manchin talking, listening to the media talk about Joe Manchin, 
It's wildly dishonest. And I'm not saying kick Joe Manchin out of the Senate. He needs to go to jail. Or no, he, the people voted. This is what they voted for. They know him better than I do. They know him better than anybody. They either are suckers who fall for this, or they look at it and go, ah, I don't really care. Whatever it is, the media should be honest about it. He is not some sort of hero who, boy, he's a man of principle, and boy, when it goes, no, never once. I would love to see Joe Manchin stand up and say, you know what? I know I'm the deciding vote, but I can't vote for this. It's bad for the country. Because that's not who Joe Manchin is. He is a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat who couches it as an aw shucks kind of middle-of-the-road guy. I'm going to play you some clips from Joe Manchin, and it really is, um, it really, if you ever deal with the United States senators, politicians in general, really, they do this when they are in interviews. The good ones do. Well, not the good ones, the bad ones, the ones who are successful, though. There's a difference between being a good politician and a successful politician. They do this sort of aw shucks kind of thing. And you sit there and you listen to them give answers and you think, this person is really stupid. You can, you can get that impression. Like, this person is really incredibly dumb. My God, how stupid. are This person has the power in the government? How the hell does this person? They are stupid. They, don't, they probably have to wear slip-on shoes because they don't understand how to tie a knot. Believe me, some of them are stupid. But some of these people that act as though they just fell off the turnip truck and they have straw sticking out of their collar have people on staff to stick that straw in their collar. It is all for show. And Joe Manchin is one of those people. And maybe the people of Virginia, West Virginia fall for this crap. But listen to him talk about no tax increase. He wouldn't, I, didn't, I didn't want any tax increases. And then he's describing tax increases. But he's using it, and his tone of voice is what it is. And I guarantee you, I've been in the room with enough of these people. I guarantee you that the, the nice, calm demeanor and the way he's talking and the aw shucks nature of it is not how he talks to his staff. You get behind closed doors, you get into a place where it's people you're paying to do your bidding, and if they don't do your bidding or they're sitting there questioning, no, this is how it is. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do the other thing. Don't worry about the messaging. I'll handle the messaging. Just do what I tell you to do. All of this, there was a great Saturday Night Live skit long time ago in the, in the 80s somewhere. I think it had to do with Iran-Contra. You can find it online. You can find all that stuff online. Uh, where... I think it was Phil Hartman playing Reagan about uh, Iran-Contra, and he had all of his advisors in there, and they said, oh, here's the president taking a picture with uh, little Billy. Little Billy won the Little League Championship or whatever. And I, oh, hey, Billy, thank you. Now go away. And then he, as soon as the kid gets out of the room, he goes, get in here, and everybody, all of his advisors come in, and Reagan starts barking out commands and uh, – negotiating or setting up the deal for Iran-Contra and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, damn, here's Jimmy Stewart. Like, oh, I got to meet with him. Excuse me. And so he plays the, the advisors leave the room and he plays the doddering old fool. And then Jimmy Stewart's ushered out and Reagan barks out the commands to get everybody back in there again. It's that kind of mentality. That's how a lot of these politicians actually are. And I guarantee you Joe Manchin does not speak to subordinates, to staff, 
the way he talks, uh, the way he talked on Fox News Sunday. Listen to him talk about the all shucks kind of gee whiz golly willikers. This won't raise taxes, I swear. It's just going to raise taxes, but he uses uh, closed loop holes. Technically, we're in a recession, and technically, according to multiple different organizations, this bill does raise taxes. They're wrong. It does not raise taxes. And I've said this before. I said all we did was close loopholes, if you heard. First of all, in 2017, the tax rate, corporate tax rate, was 35%. It went from 35 to 21, 14% reduction, Brett. And when that did, everyone said, oh, my goodness, this is tremendous. All we're doing is basically saying the largest corporations in America that have a billion dollars of value or greater have to pay a minimum of 15% to help this great country. That's all. I don't think anyone in West Virginia thought that anyone could get by with not paying at least their 21%. So we did not raise taxes. We've closed loopholes. That's all we did. I made sure there was no tax increases in this whatsoever. No tax increase. We just closed loopholes. We just Well, the loopholes that he's closing are things like the ability to expense things. You buy some new equipment and you can write that off on your taxes. That's not a loophole. That is something Congress... A loophole is something that unintended, like, oh my God, we wrote this thing and in such a hurry, we, there was this huge thing in there that if you... If you, while filling out your tax forms, you stick your left pinky up your nostril, you don't have to pay any taxes. That's a massive, massive loophole. We close that loophole. No, they they expressly said, if you purchase equipment, if you invest in your business, you can then expense it. You can write that off on your taxes. That's not a loophole. That was a deliberate thing. Do it. Investing in business, in your own business, is a good thing for Americans, for America. And so what do companies do? They go, well, we've got these profits, but we can just, you know, well, we're trying to grow. We're trying to Let's just throw all our revenue back into investing in our business. Let's buy more merchandise. Let's buy more locations. Let's do whatever it is we do. Let's do more of it. So we take the money and then we roll it right back into the business. It's not like businessmen are sitting around with their top hats and tails on lighting $100 bills, laughing maniacally as they set their Cuban cigars on fire. That's not how business works. And a large part of that is because the tax code was set up expressly to allow for the tax deduction of business expenses, of business investments. And now mentions, no, no, we're not raising taxes. We're closing loopholes. I mean, you're changing the laws that you guys wrote to cause an increase in taxes on corporations. That's a tax increase. And oh, by the way, that's not closing loopholes. And oh, by the way, um, (laughs) you're lying about it. They all lie about it. They always lie about it. Joe Manchin is this sort of all shucks kind of guy where you're like, oh, geez, I just don't know. We're not, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. We're doing the other thing. If the people of West Virginia are that gullible, then they get what they deserve. But Joe Manchin isn't up this time, so it doesn't really matter. He's not going to change his mind. Reminder, again, he's never been the decisive vote against anything. But he's lying there. He's lying a lot more. There's a lot more. I have three more clips of Joe Manchin in each of them. He is full of it. In this next one, Brett Baer plays a clip of Joe Manchin from 2021. 
talking about Biden's $1.9 trillion boondoggle, whatever, and, and how it wouldn't cause inflation. It won't cause inflation. And then he says it did cause inflation. Listen to Man- this is Manchin in his aw shucks mode turned up to 11. Last year, you said the American Rescue Plan, the COVID relief bill, would not cause inflation. Take a listen. You're spending $1.9 trillion and that you may end up overheating the economy and causing inflation, sir. Well, I hope we don't. I don't think we will because, again, I've said we spread it out. We didn't throw it all at one time. But most experts now believe, Senator, that that spending, that bill did spark the skyrocketing inflation. So why should Americans believe you now when you say that this new bill will not exacerbate inflation? I made sure I don't make that mistake again. That's the bottom line. I make sure I didn't make that mistake again. With that, I tried. I was anticipating that we could help and do more. And and, and everything that you've said here is correct. And I'm not countering that whatsoever. That's why I was extra cautious right now. Oh, Chuck's gee, I just hope it won't. I just we're doing the same thing over, but this time it will totally be a different result. This time it will totally be a different result because why? Because we're spending uh, money differently. Oh, but you're doing. I mean, it's the same. You're spending money you don't have. You're you're raising taxes and you're imposing regulation. And uh, no, but this time it'll totally be different. Oh, shucks. All I can do is say that I'm hoping it with the screw up I made before doesn't happen again. Do you believe Joe Manchin is that stupid? Maybe, maybe a case could be made. But I believe Joe Manchin believes his voters in West Virginia are dumb enough to believe that. So we got Joe Manchin being all shucksy. You think he's like, is he Gomer Pyle? What's going on with this guy? No, he's a con artist. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it from any of these people. Oh, they're such a good guy. I, I hear that all the time and I laugh about it. You hear it from people in media, too. You hear it from uh, radio hosts who are like, I've met this person, a uh, really good guy. I probably have said it too. And you sit there and you go, what are they going to do? What are these people going to, what are these, poli- these politicians aren't stupid. Most of them. Some of them are, but not many. You think a politician's going to walk into a radio studio or a TV studio or an event, a fundraiser or a public event or whatever and go, Let's go. Everybody get out of my way. Don't make eye contact with me. Leave me alone. God, you people all smell. I hate every single one of you. Do you really think they're going to do that? They're going to come walking in and start pushing old ladies over. And going, yeah, well, that's what you get. You shouldn't have been standing near me. Step off. <laughs> Learn your place. They're not going to do that. These people want your vote. They want your money, too. And so they go, oh, well, whatever's bothering you is bothering me. It's horrible, and I feel your pain. Do you think Bill Clinton felt your pain? I mean, I guess if you had gonorrhea at one point, Bill Clinton probably felt your pain. But other than that, he doesn't have a damn clue. He doesn't care either. Bite that lip. Oh, he so cares. He cares. Look at him. Look at him. He's biting his lip. It's amazing. If somebody finally gets me, they don't get you. They got you. That's what they want. They want you to believe in this crap. Period. End of story. So, yeah, you sit there and you just go, I, I just, I don't get it. They're such a nice guy. You hear it all the time. Anybody who says that, and even if I ever say it again, you just go, 
Now, if they say, look, they were nice to me, that's a different thing. They were nice to me. Then that's an accurate thing. But you have no idea what this person is like. This person, it's like sitting there and thinking you know what um, Brad Pitt is like because you've seen all his movies. Like You have no idea what he's actually like. You've never, never had to deal with him, ever. So you sit there and you just go, geez. I, and it's tough not to fall for it. So I guess I'm just saying, please don't fall for it because there is an entire industry around there desperately trying to get you to fall for it. Don't fall for it. Do not fall for it. Uh, Joe Manchin continued with his aw shucks routine. This one is hilarious. Joe Manchin comes from a, a large coal state. West Virginia produces a lot of coal. We need coal. Coal is a good thing. Coal helps us generate electricity. But Democrats hate coal. They hate. They can afford to hate coal because the states that produce the most coal, they're not. He's not going to win. A Joe Manchin is the only Democrat who's going to win in West Virginia. Trump got like seventy percent. It wasn't even close. So, you know, the Democrats kind of write off the state. They don't have to care. If if California produced a ton of coal and it was what their economy out there was based on, Democrats would have a different opinion about coal. But they don't, so it doesn't matter. So uh, Joe Manchin was asked about the oil and gas. Hey, these are the only things that work, are oil and gas. This little deal you cut with Chuck Schumer to screw over the country and spend another several trillion dollars in the under the guise of build back better. Oh, now it's like what is it, fighting inflation. There's nothing in this bill that actually fights inflation. It just causes inflation. The oil and gas provisions, or what, they're not even really provisions. Manchin says that he's gotten pinky swears from Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, that if they do not engage in continued support for the oil and gas industry, then there will be consequences. Even the president has promised that this, and this is the deal. There will be, there will be, cons- now, Brett Baer, for some reason that, only bad journalists could ever explain to me doesn't bother to ask what these consequences are and how you could possibly trigger something and if it if it isn't in the legislation what the hell do you do with it like how do you you got how do you legislate a promise a pinky swear you can't but i find it interesting and again this is another example of just how shucksy Joe Manchin tries to pretend to be, and it even works on Brett Baer. We have an agreement. I have a trust there. But I can tell you, it has consequences if either one of us don't keep our bargain. So from Chuck Schumer to Nancy Pelosi to, uh, to the President of the United States, uh, we have an agreement that we are going to do permitting reforms. If that doesn't happen, I said again, on either side, if I don't keep my, my word and my bargain, if they don't keep theirs, there will be consequences. But on the other hand there, we do have that tied into this bill. 
that if you're going to basically continue to promote offshore wind or onshore wind and solar, you have to also aggressively promote the fossil industry that we need, that is the engine that makes us this country run right now until that transition may happen whenever that but we're not going to basically walk away from any one of our fossil industry industry right now until we have something that will replace it down the road we're not doing the, the european model <laughs> we got triggers in place we got things what are they well I, they're not in the legislation so if would you take this deal you have somebody who is promising you that they will, you're going to sign a contract with somebody. And in the contract, you wanted expressly that I get a 15% raise every year, right? I get a 15% raise every year. And you got all the other terms that are agreed to, they're all in the contract. And you notice when you're about to sign it, hey, the, uh, the thing about my raise isn't in there. Don't worry. We'll, we will honor that. We just, for, you know, it's just too complicated to go put that in there. And the lawyers said it was best to just make that more of a handshake agreement because it would just muddle up everything else. But don't worry, we got it. Here's my pinky. I swear that I will give you that raise. Would you take that person's word for it? I don't think you would. You shouldn't. You absolutely should not. But that's what Joe Manchin is trying to hinge this whole thing on. No, 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 no. Don't worry, we're not going to screw over the oil and gas industry. I've got a full-blown promise. A series, they, they looked me directly in the eye and uh, shook my hand and swore that they would not screw over oil and gas at the expense of everything that their massive donors are uh, investing in and desperately want. They will not do, they will defy all of their donors for that. Do you believe that? If it's not in the legislature, what, what, what could possibly be the consequences? Now, Chuck Schumer could impose consequences on Joe Manchin. If Joe Manchin somehow doesn't hold up, what I don't know what the hell his end of his bargain would be. I suppose the extent of his end of the bargain is to simply, I promise I'll vote for this stupid piece of legislation. And that's it. And if he doesn't, Chuck Schumer could uh, kick him off of all his committees. But at that point, then he could just switch parties and Mitch McConnell would make him chairman of all those committees. It wouldn't matter. So there's really... No consequences he could face except that as far as the consequences Joe Biden would face, there's literally nothing Joe Manchin can do. He's from a state Joe Biden is never going to win in a million years. For the consequences for Chuck Schumer, there's nothing unless Manchin goes, well, then finally I'm going to switch parties. Why? This is exactly what Joe Manchin wants this is he's getting what he wants so he's not going to do that and there's no possible way Joe Manchin can impose any consequences on Nancy Pelosi she's in a different section she's in the house he's in the senate there's nothing that they can do but don't worry there are consequences what is there a piece in the legislation that says if uh, either side refuses to end up the uh, hold up their end of the bargain they can be horsewhipped in the public square no no, that's not in there. They'll have to give up their firstborn. They'll have to uh, face real-life consequence. They will lose all of their net worth. No, none of that is in there. 
There can't be any consequences. So if you all you got is a pinky swear, maybe you are an idiot. Oh, you're just going to promise you won't do that? All right, well then good. Fair enough. Let's go forward. <sighs> Again, I, I don't believe that Joe Manchin is this stupid. I believe Joe Manchin believes the voters in West Virginia are. And by the fact that they keep electing him to office, he may be right. He may well be right. Now I'm going to shift from Manchin on Fox News Sunday to Manchin on with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. This is the prime example of Joe Manchin in ultimate aw shucks mode. Now Chuck Todd isn't all that bright. I watched his interviews. I watched I watched Meet the Press and I watched Fox News Sunday. Both were terrible shows, horrible hosts. And um, no, not asking very serious or good questions. Chuck Todd was worse. But Chuck Todd is obsessed. What do you, who do you want to win? What, do, what, if, what if Republicans win? What if Democrats win? Joe Manchin really mainly gives a crap about Joe Manchin. He's a Democrat at heart, but he would, if it was really in his best interest, he might throw the Democratic Party under the bus. The people of West Virginia don't demand that. But listen to the ultimate aw shucksing that Manchin does here, and and Chuck Todd can't get over. It. You won't you won't say that you want Democrats to win. Chuck Todd'll say that he wants Democrats to win. For God's sakes, do you hope Democrats keep control of the House and Senate? I think people are sick and tired of politics, Chuck. I really do. I think they're sick and tired of Democrats and Republicans fighting and feuding and holding pieces of legislation hostage because they didn't get what they wanted, or something, or someone might get credit for something. Why don't we start doing something for our country? Why don't we just say, this is good for America? I've always said the best politics is good government. Do something good, Chuck. But I, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen. I'm not asking you to predict. I just want to make sure we do something good. And this is What result do you <laughs> want? Do you want the Democrats to keep control of the United States Senate and the House of Representatives? Oh, I love... Uh, you know, I'm not making those choices or de- decisions on that. I'm going to work with whatever I have. I've always said that. I think the Democrats have great candidates that are running. They're good people I've worked with. And I have a tremendous amount of respect and friendship with my Republican colleagues. So I can work on either side very easily. So you don't care so about the outcome? Have a problem you don't care about the, the outcome this year of the election? Well, whatever, whatever, the voters, whatever the voters choose, I can't decide what's going to happen in Kansas or California or yeah. Texas. I really can't. I've always taken, taken the approach, whoever you send me, that's your representative, and I respect them. And I respect the state for the people they sent, and I give it my best to work with them to do the best for my country. I don't play the politics that way. I don't like it that way. I'm just, that's not who I am. I don't like it that way. I just, you know, all shucks, and I walk through life going, oh, gee, golly willikers, who could possibly figure this stuff out? Does anybody believe this for a second? Does anybody buy, who is the constituency for this garbage? Who's out there going, you know what? That makes perfect sense. I like the way that he's so wishy-washy on everything. Won't take a single stance. Wow, that's sexy. He doesn't care. I th- I'll work with anybody. When have you worked with a Republican when it made a difference? When have you? Can you name one? No, you can't name one. So you, maybe you aren't the bastion of bipartisanship that you portray yourself as. But for some reason, Chuck Todd doesn't know or doesn't care. Chuck Todd was just obsessed and he 
kept tweeting and talking about all day Sunday. Oh my goodness. Can you believe Joe Manchin said he wouldn't do this or he wouldn't do that or he wouldn't do the other thing? Yeah, I, I can. I can. I, I saw the video that you, you tweeted out. I don't care. He's a he's a horrible person. We can all just we all should just admit and we'd be much better off if we admit that this guy is a fraud. He's pushing for things he expressly said he would not push for. It's a fraud. He just thinks he can get away with it now. He's an opportunist. That's fine. That's what you expect in a politician. But for the media to pretend that he is somehow this bastion of bipartisan, my goodness, the way that he crosses the aisle. He crosses the aisle with a knife to stab people in the back. That's not really something that deserves to be celebrated, is it? I don't think so. I want to illustrate something that Joe Manchin is talking about. Joe Manchin is changing. Joe Manchin is uh, causing whatever. He's getting very, very uh, good press, of course, for this. And I want to, for those of you who are on medications, for those of you who may be on medications, for those of you who have loved ones, who are on medications. Democrats are desperately trying to appeal to you. They're desperately trying to appeal to you. And they're using the only tool at their disposal to help manipulate people. And it's not logic. It is emotion. This is what they do. They make appeals to emotion. It's diabolical. It's cheap. It's easy. It's gross. But part of this deal that uh, the Democrats cut with Joe Manchin is that Medicare will be able to negotiate the price of drugs. It'll save seniors a bunch of money. Under They're saying the Democrats are putting this forward as though this is a massive, massive victory for the consumers. And let's face it, health care is an industry, and the people who patronize it are consumers. They don't ever like to talk about them that way, but that's what they are. But the devil is is always in in the details. And there's a lot of details that Democrats, most of the rank and file Democrats don't know or don't care about, but the American people don't know about. If this piece of garbage that they're couching as somehow having something to do even tangentially with inflation, it is not, were to become law, Medicare would be able to negotiate prices for prescription drugs for 10 drugs, for 10, that's it. Now, there are a lot more than 10 drugs out there. And that's bad in and of itself. What Democrats are doing is because they're, they're diabolical, they're smart, is they recognize they have to get the laws in place before they then come in, start making the arguments that they need more and more power. They don't ever swallow the whole apple. They nibble at it. They nibble at it. They nibble it away. And then when nobody's looking, when there's like, you know, just a little bit left, then they swallow the whole thing. Said, diabolical. Axios has the story. Democrats have been campaigning for 30 years on promises they'd let Medicare directly negotiate the cost of prescription drugs. And after all that time, they might uh, uh, finally be about to achieve it. There is no negotiation with Medicare. If you are the lone gatekeeper to 60 million consumers, that's it, the lone gatekeeper, there is no negotiation. You have all the leverage. Hey, do you want to be able to get the, you have this uh, this cancer drug. 
Would you like to be able to sell it to 30 million or 60 million people? You would. Okay, well, here's the price we're going to pay. I can't sell it to you for that. We can't afford it. We need to make a profit on it. We have to spend, it took a $2 billion to create. Doesn't matter. I don't care. This is what we're willing to pay. Well, then what? Well, we'll deny seniors your drugs. You're going to hurt seniors. No, we'll give them some other drug. They're starting off with the popular drugs so that there are other options. So that there are other options. So that when one drug company says, we can't afford to give it to you for five cents a pill, they say, all right, well, then you're out. You're not going to be able to, to sell to people on Medicare. We have other alternatives. Say this, uh, this is a breast cancer drug. And they say, I can't give it to you for five cents a pill. And they say, okay, well, uh, you're out. We'll go to this other breast cancer drug. And they'll pay, they'll take five cents a pill. But the thing is, is in all treatments and medical issues, you, your body is different than anybody else's body. Your body may respond to one type of treatment and not respond to another type of treatment. There are countless stories of people who have been saved by a specific type of drug. And you go, oh, that person was saved. They had uh, X disease and they took this drug and they were saved. All right, well, get me that, dis- they get me that drug and I too, suffering from X disease, will be saved. And it doesn't work. Now, why is that? It's because each person's DNA is different. Each person's body reacts to things differently. That's why, and this is, again, playing on the ignorance of the American people. You didn't go to medical school. You have no reason to know this. You didn't study health policy. You have no reason to know this. But you sit there and you say, well, there are uh, 15 different breast cancer drugs. That's because those greedy pharmaceutical industry companies, they just want a piece of the action. They all want their own piece of the action. There's there's some truth to that. They wouldn't bother spending the billions to research and develop these drugs if there weren't a need for it and a market for it. They're not charities after all. That being said, some drugs work better. It's breast cancer. There are different types of breast cancer. Some drugs work better on different types of breast cancer. Some drugs don't work at all on other types of breast cancer. And then there is the fact that there are people whose bodies react differently to different types of drugs and different types of cancers. And you begin to see that the splinter possibilities in the multiverse are endless and you begin to go, thank God there are options. Because if somebody I love gets breast cancer and uh, there's a one-size-fits-all thing and it doesn't actually fit them, that's problematic. Well, it is problematic because that's what Democrats are leading us towards. They say uh, the Senate's reconciliation bill, back to Axios, would only open up negotiations for a small number of drugs, but even that is a threshold Democrats have never been before been able to cross. And it opens the door up to more aggressive policies in the future. Then President Bill Clinton proposed direct negotiations between drug companies and the federal government back in 1993 as part of Hillary Care. It did not work out. The American people rejected it then. Democrats have then since 
set about trying to demonize the pharmaceutical industry to no end. Clinton, Al Gore, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and even Donald Trump each embraced the idea that while in office or as candidates, only to have it thwarted by arguments, it would squelch new drug development or limit seniors' choices. Is there any other conceivable way to look at how this would end? I tell you no. I tell you there is not. That is where it has to end. Why? Because the federal government doesn't negotiate in good faith. They don't have people who understand free markets. They work in the government. They don't have people who face consequences for their actions. They are employing people who will never face consequences for their actions, for God's sakes. Part of the appeal of working in government is that you don't, you basically, you almost can't be fired if you're a civil servant. You have to do something incredibly egregious and then be convicted for it in order to lose your job as a civil servant. So do you think they care? Would you put your fate, would you believe that someone in that situation, someone with that reality, has your best interests at heart? You're a fool if you do. You're free to, but you're a fool if you do. Do you think that they would understand the intricacies of health policy? Do you think they would understand how the human body works and how it reacts to various things and the different prospects based on... No, they wouldn't. They don't care. What they do is they look at what are called classes of drugs, what these drugs do. Okay, we need a breast cancer drug. All right, we've got two breast cancer drugs, but there are 50 on the market. Yeah, but we've got two of them. So people can't say they don't have choices. They've got them. Let's just move on. What if those ones don't work for you? I suppose you could theoretically pay out of pocket, but then are you better off than you were beforehand? No, you're not. You're worse off. So you sit there and you watch this situation unfold and you have to, to be proud of this, to be glad about this, you have to genuinely believe that the Democrats and faceless bureaucrats who you'll never meet give a damn about you and know more what is best for you than your own doctor does. That's an amazing stretch in my mind. That is an amazing stretch in my mind. Quote, finally eliminating the prohibition that empo- and empowering the secretary to negotiate is a historic precedent and is something to protect and strengthen over time, said Chris Jennings, a health policy advisor to Presidents Clinton and Obama. Who wouldn't trust the people who brought about the system that they say sucks now with uh, what should come next? Who wouldn't trust that person or those people? The version of price negotiations contained in the Senate bill is much narrower than the most ambitious campaign proposals. Quote, a baby step is one way I would describe this, says Zeke Emanuel. Zeke Emanuel, Ezekiel Emanuel, is a Democrat health policy superstar who has, uh, he is Rahm Emanuel, the former mayor of Chicago and Barack Obama chief of staff. He's his brother. Also, Ari Emanuel, the guy that Ari Gold and Entourage was based off of, his brother, too. And he has publicly stated his desire for euthanizing senior citizens once they become a drag economically on society. 
that he is treated with seriousness and reverence by the media is a testament to just how left-wing they all are. Quote, we're talking about 10 drugs and moving up at the end of the decade to a whopping 20 drugs. And unless they can get insulin included, how many people are going to be affected by this, I think is a big question, he said. If negotiating makes it into law now, however, future administrations and Congresses could expand them and make more drugs subject to negotiations. And that, my friends, is the point. Democrats always play the long con. Republicans don't have any idea. I always say, Republicans are trying to steal your your wallet. They're trying to steal your watch. They're trying to get something, maybe your pinky ring. Democrats want to steal your wallet, your watch, your pinky ring, the uh, title to your house, the title to your car, your 401k, your children's bank account. They want everything. Republicans are playing small, but Republicans go, we voted to try to repeal Obamacare. Yeah, what happened? McCain comes out and his little gimpy arm says no. And that was it. And that was the end of it. Have you tried to do anything since then? No, you haven't. You haven't really. Well, we lost Congress. But you didn't try to do anything before then. And you never really tried. You came close one time, and I guarantee you that a lot of Republicans went, oh, thank God, when John McCain did his little thumbs down. Oh, thank God. I had to vote for that because it was the only way I was going to be able to keep my job. But, my God, I'm so glad that that didn't happen because I don't want any responsibility for it. Republicans are worthless. Democrats, it's only 10 drugs. It's only 10 drugs. Who can oppose? These are 10 important drugs that are costing too much money and we're able to negotiate for it. Okay. They'll probably get some Republicans to go, well, geez, if it's only 10... What you don't understand is right now, under federal law, it is illegal for the government to quote-unquote negotiate because they aren't negotiating for the price of prescription drugs. You rip that provision out, it doesn't matter how limited you are, you have seeded the concept, and it'll be much easier. You're not going to, they're going to be able to say, look at all the money we're saving people by negotiating on just these few drugs. Congratulations to us. We're awesome. We win. We're the best. Because they'll pick the low-hanging fruit. They'll pick the ones. They picked the ones that will do the least damage. There'll still be damage done. But if the media doesn't focus on the damage, Republicans won't know how to find the damage or message on the damage and will be too stupid to even bother trying. Then there really isn't any damage because the public will never hear about it. So then they'll go to 20. And then they'll say, well, why don't we just uh, go to 50? Why don't we just go to all drugs? At which point, research and development for anything that is not impacting a lot of people, and younger people, by the way, because they won't have this power in the private sector. It's just in Medicare. Younger people will be... uh, They'll throw the money at them because they might have a chance to recoup that investment. As for senior citizens, as for the people who are in most need of prescription drugs, nope, not even a little bit. To hell with you. To hell with all of you. Nobody's going to invest money in something they'll never be able to get that money out of. 
Nobody's going to invest money into diseases that impact, say, 50,000 people a year. 50,000 people a year is nothing to sniff at, but in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing relative to 300 million people or, you know, all the way around the world. They will not be able to recoup their money. So why would you invest in something? Because the government says, all right, we'll pay you five bucks a pill. For you to get your money back, what if you have to get 10 bucks a pill? You're just going to say, well, there aren't enough people that get this. I'm not going to bother. It would be perfectly understandable. The left will try and paint it as morally repugnant, but it would be perfectly understandable. Nobody is operating a charity with piles of money that they just throw at something because that problem needs to have money thrown at it, money spent on it. These pharmaceutical companies, which keep tens of millions of Americans alive and tens of millions more having a much better quality of life, they are not charities. They're profit. How can you profit off of these things? Ask your doctor that next time they ask you for your copay or your insurance card. Ask them how much they're charging for those services. All these left-wing doctors going, all these pharmaceutical companies, they make too much money. Yeah, do you have like a a Fiero in the parking lot, dude? Or are you driving a nice car going to a nice house? Hmm? If you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. Either way, we're going to end up getting screwed because that's what Democrats do. Just being honest. Prepare for it. Because if you're counting on Republicans saving you, all they'll do is postpone the failure, which is better than nothing, but it ain't a lot. Got to shift gears and talk about Nancy Pelosi before she starts World War III. I'm only mostly kidding. But honestly, though, Nancy Pelosi is on a tour of Asia. Anything to get away from her drunk driving husband, who I think goes to court this week. So, of course, she's got to go. That would be a perfect time for a war to start because Nancy Pelosi needs a distraction. Uh, I'm cynical, but I'm not that cynical. Okay, maybe I am that cynical, but that's beside the point. The idea that they're out there and they're sitting there and they're going, uh, well, uh, Nancy Pelosi wants to go to Taiwan, but China says don't go. China says no, that would be provocative. I got to tell you, one of the dumbest things in the world, in the world of politics, and there are a lot of dumb things in the world of politics, is the way that we treat China, this one China policy. Before Nixon went to China, remember, only Nixon can go to China. Before Nixon went to China, China in the United Nations was Taiwan. China in the United Nations was Taiwan. Official U.S. policy was that Taiwan was China. It's a joke. It was a joke. That, I mean, it wasn't. It's pathetic, is what it is. But it's all about saving face and all this other crap. So you sit there and you go, China is Taiwan. Even though Chiang Kai-shek lost the mainland, there's no reason Chiang Kai-shek should have lost the mainland. He uh, he was just corrupt. His people around him were corrupt and complacent, and Mao was committed, and he won. So I always say, never underestimate the the amount of damage a small group of committed people can can cause, can inflict. So he, uh, Nixon went to China, and in part of that, he recognized China. 
And then it shifted. China was now China, and Taiwan was Taiwan. But we didn't officially recognize Taiwan's independence as something separate. It was this breakaway, rebellious province that had nothing to do with anything or what have you. It is garbage. But it matters to China, mostly for domestic consumption. And ever since then, we've sort of, one way or another, slowly been bowing and bending toward Beijing ever since. Now, Xi Jinping is going for a third consecutive term as Communist Party leader. And you go, wait a second, what are you talking about? Commun- they have party elections. It's not like a real election, it's party people. And Xi Jinping, if he really wanted to, could probably kill half the, half of the uh, government over there and be perfectly fine. It's a wildly corrupt system. and uh, But it, it has been that most leaders after Mao weren't in power for life. But just like Vladimir Putin has managed to manipulate himself into a position to be in power for life, Xi Jinping wants to do the same thing. Joe Biden would love to do the same thing too. And Xi Jinping needs to appear powerful. See, the thing about being a strongman, the thing about being a dictator, the thing about being the face of a corrupt and powerful government is if you show any weakness, it's a problem. It's a perceived weakness, and the people around you might decide to pounce or might decide to throw your ass out and throw your ass in jail. So with Nancy Pelosi going over there, because a whole bunch of politicians, U.S. politicians have gone to Taiwan over the years. Now suddenly it's a problem. Beijing wants to pretend that they're ready to go and invade. I'm not sure that they have the capacity to do it yet, but they're ready to go and invade Taiwan. And if uh, Nancy Pelosi going over there somehow would screw up those plans, which is stupid, but it's about, again, domestic saving of face. This is all because you're sitting there and you're going, who is Xi Jinping trying to impress by saying we might shoot down your plane if you go over there or there could be war to be provocative. You will be asking for whatever consequences. Who is that for? Is that so Emmanuel Macron goes, oh, sacre bleu, I must not go over there. No, it is for domestic political consumption. If you are the guy standing, if you're the tank guy in Tiananmen Square back in 1989, if you're the one standing up to, and in their version of things, the United States is the tank. If you're standing up to the United States, you're strong. You're the hero. The people will love you all the more. You sit there and you go, well, the Chinese people are oppressed. Yes, they are. But they also very weirdly have a sense of national pride that is inundated with them, that they are Almost just like in North Korea, they're almost blissfully unaware of how the rest of the world is or how oppressed that they are. You're just used to it. It's Plato's cave played out. This is the only reality they know. And they just can't fathom anything else. Most people, they believe what they're told. Most people in this country believe what they're told. If the people in North Korea knew what the rest of the world was like, do you really think that they would sit there and slowly starve to death? 
<laughs> There'd be no pets because they ate all of them. There's no food. Meanwhile, they've got a bloated, fat dictator. They think he's God. They saw the rest of the world, or they saw the truth of what's going on in their country. Do you really think they would sit by? Again, it is the very small number of people who are committed to a cause being able to do really horrible things on a significantly larger number of people. So Xi Jinping wants to saber-rattle for domestic consumption. Not because he thinks Nancy Pelosi is going to live in Joe Biden seems to be living in fear of this, but not Nancy Pelosi. She's been around too long for this. Nobody in, you know, Boris Johnson isn't going to go, well, the UK will not go send anybody to Taiwan because we are afraid of China. Now, if Nancy Pelosi does go and they don't shoot her plane down, what do they say? That China can decide anything. We have decided to show mercy to Nancy Pelosi. We have decided to show mercy to the Americans. And he's a hero that way. It's really a can't-lose situation for Xi Jinping because they have state-controlled media, almost like we have here, although not as bad. But Nancy Pelosi has to go to Taiwan now, even if it is dangerous, even if Xi Jinping were actually wanting to, willing to, and setting everything in motion to shoot down her plane. They have to. Why? Because you can't have some dictator dictating to the United States what our political leaders can and can't do and where they can and can't go outside of their country. You cannot do that. So the choices are pretty simple. Nancy Pelosi goes and ticks off China or doesn't go and emboldens China. Doesn't go and makes China even more arrogant and powerful. Makes the Biden administration and therefore the United States of America look even weaker. She has to go now at this point. The Biden administration, instead of doing this, oh, shucks, and oh, geez, maybe we shouldn't, and we don't really know. The military says we don't really want them to go, but uh, we're working on it. We're They need to get their testicles to descend from their stomach and recognize that Joe Biden is president of the United States. Nobody wants war, but you cannot have a situation where China or anybody is telling our elected representatives, and as much as you despise Nancy Pelosi, and I'm right there with you, she is an elected representative of the United States of America. She is the Speaker of the House. She is third in line for the presidency. You cannot, cannot have anybody dictating to them where they can and can't go to our allies. Either Taiwan is an ally or Taiwan is not an ally. You want to throw Taiwan under the bus? which I think Democrats do, then just do it. It's time to uh, do your business or get off the pot, Joe. It's time to do that. Will he? I don't know. It's pretty sad. It's also pathetic. It's not all that surprising, though. Pathetic. Anyway, I just watching that unfold, and you're sitting there, and you're going, well, Nancy, go. If you're good, just go. Just go. It would be much better because we have world leaders. We have politicians who go to Ukraine. 
during the war in Afghanistan. Presidents would sneak over to Afghanistan, whatever. They didn't make a big deal out of it ahead of time. Part of the blame here is on Nancy Pelosi for hemming and hawing and farting around going, oh, we might go, we might not go. I might do this, I might do that. Just go to Asia. Don't tell anybody what you're going to do and then just show up in Taiwan and this problem is solved. But Nancy Pelosi wants to also appear tough. She's trying to appeal to the Chinese-American vote here who despises what Beijing is. And so you get this buildup. So politically, Nancy Pelosi kind of has to go. If Nancy Pelosi doesn't go, she's a weak Speaker of the House who bows to the will of the President of the United States and more directly the President of China. She has to go at this point. So for all the saber-rattling, do I think that they're actually going to shoot down her plane? I don't think so. If they do then we have to react, period, end of story. I think China knows that. China doesn't want a war with us. They'd much rather destroy us economically. And and frankly, what I say all the time rings true. Our enemies don't have to attack us. They just have to wait. The left will destroy us from within for them. And it's true. We have some transgender news, and uh, thanks to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, drag queens news as well. It really, the pretzel that, as I look at a plate of pretzels right now, the pretzel that leftists twist themselves into to pander to whatever group they determine they deem to be worthy of pandering is... uh, I guess it's it's an admirable in one sense that they they're really just uh, that ble- that bendy that flexible, they're willing to BS their way through just about anything. But um, it is BS. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez appeared on uh, I believe it was RuPaul's Drag Race. Nancy Pelosi's been on that show. Democrats go there for some reason. A small subset of a small subset of the alphabet mafia is now like the ring you have to kiss. See, if you're, if you're a Democrat, you're running for president, you have to go up and kiss Al Sharpton's ring. You do. It doesn't matter if there's still blood all over his hands from the murders that he's caused and whatever, or they smell like smoke from the riots that he's initiated. No, no, it doesn't matter. You got to go up, you got to sit in the window at Sylvia's and eat chicken and waffles and uh, say, oh, well, we, the Reverend Sharpton and I, we had a lovely discussion. It's a very crucial voice that he had. No, he's a racist piece of crap and uh, he's got blood on his hands and he needs to pay his taxes. Under normal circumstances, in a just world that isn't a Democrat race-obsessed world, Al Sharpton would be a pariah and people would not want to be seen with him because he's a tax cheat. But because they've become these uh, purveyors of racism, they need to go up and suck up to him. Because, you know, you gotta, you gotta suck up to the king. Drag queens and trans people are, are beco- or have become that. Forget are becoming. They have become that as well on the left. 
It doesn't matter. Oh, it's drag queen story time at the local library for three-year-olds, and you come out and start grinding on the the bookshelves and everything. No, no, it's just an exp- it's just their free expression. They're wonderful people. Drag queens are the best among us. No, they're not. Anybody who shakes their ass for a kid is not the best among us. They never will be the best among us. They are the worst among us. If you want to be a drag queen and, and run around and, and do that to adults, I couldn't care less. You, you involve children. You are not the best among us. You are a bad person, and there's something wrong with you, and you need to definitely be looked at. Um, but to hear AOC talk about it, they are our betters. The way that Democrats talk about illegal aliens, oh, they just work so hard and they want to be here and they love this country as much as anybody born. No, they don't. No, they don't. But to Democrats, they need to cheapen what it means to be an American. And they do that in any way they possibly can. So here's AOC in a room full of drag queens. You want to talk? The fact that these dudes are crying. And getting all weepy about what AOC, they're fanning their eyes like, oh, fanning, don't cry, don't cry. I put, you know, eight years worth of makeup on my face. Don't is garbage and it tells you how mentally unstable these people are. But it works. It works. There are enough dumb people out there in this country, non-drag queens, who go, oh, look at that. She's right. They are better than us, especially the one who started the riot by throwing the brick at the police. Listen for yourself. The people who change what people think are artists and drag queens. And let's not forget who threw that first brick at Stonewall. You know, that is what led to us passing the Equality Act in the House in this term, marriage equality. It starts with you. I mean, your patriots. You are. You are. You are patriots. And I'm so proud of you all. I'm so proud to live in this country with you and with your mother and with all of us as family. With all of us as family. Do you think she considers any conservative part of that family? Do you think she would welcome a... No, she doesn't. She is a hypocritical fraud. She is a lying, egotistical bigot. She probably wouldn't invite any of those people into her house either, and she'd be singing a different tune if there weren't cameras around there and she weren't appearing on a TV show. You really have to wonder, what the hell was she up against? What is wrong? Her, her district, the people of her district are suffering. Good. Okay, Good. They elected this idiot. They empowered this idiot, and they do so over and over again. Am I supposed to care about their suffering if they elect this idiot? No, it's not going to happen. Sorry. You did it to yourselves. They're all running around. Oh, trans are the best among us. They really are. They're showing their authentic self. No, they're mentally unstable. If you cared about these people, you might, I don't know, ask a couple of questions about why it is they have such a high suicide rate. And it's not because they're mentally stable and they got it all figured out, but they once saw a mean tweet that dead named them or called them a dude. No, it's not that. It's that they have mental problems for whatever reason. But you don't want to get to the bottom of it. They don't want to get to the bottom of it. I can't 
I'm not going to force anybody to get to the bottom of it, but I'm not going to sit here and applaud somebody because of who, oh, you exist. Oh, you're you're just better than everybody else by the fact that you exist in a, in a way that is not normal. <gasps> did you say not normal? Yes, I did. It's not normal. Normal has a definition. I don't care how you exist, but normal has a definition. They haven't bastardized that word yet. And they're all sitting there going, we need to push this on children. We need to get to children, children, children. I want you to listen to this mom. Now, if you had to pick what this mom looked like in your head in this TikTok video, this libs of TikTok video, you would probably say, well, she's got a nose ring and she's got some sort of messed up colored hair. And you would be absolutely right on it. She's trying to feed her dogs in the morning and she thinks that the world needs to know while she's opening a can of dog food that her kid who's four or five or something like that is i don't even know what it's a boy or a girl the kid is trying to figure out what it is gender wise and it's making stuff up and one day it's this and one day it's that and it's like yeah because you've got blue hair and a nose ring and you encourage this kid to try this stuff it's called grooming It's called grooming. This person would be the type of person that AOC would consider to be a hero. Something I don't believe she's ever said about anybody in our military. My four-year-old had been having some gender exploration happening, which is perfectly fine, and doing dog food again. Um, But had been doing some gender exploration, which is, you know, we encourage that. If, If you don't feel like you are in the body you're supposed to be in, let us know. Uh, you know, that's what so, Mars had been questioning and exploring, um, and originally had said, you know, I'm a girl. Fine. You know, we went out and we bought dresses and jelly sandals and all the things that he likes, um, or that he associated with being a girl, which is an interesting thing, how he formulated that. Um, anyways, we bought these things. Mars has worn them. Um, and the most recent event in Mars's gender exploration is that Mars has decided that they are actually a boy most days. Um, some days they're a girl, um, and then other days they just want to be a boy who likes girl things like dresses and jelly sandals, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, so yeah, we're just going to continue to fill it out. The dogs are being wild in the background because it is breakfast. But um, we're going to continue to fill it out and see what happens. And I think it's just really interesting to to watch this little person grow and learn and you know be their own person. Be their own person and grow and learn. It's child abuse. Right there is what you're hearing is child abuse. Proudly cheered on by the left. Oh, it's child abuse. It's not, not grooming at all, but you can be any gender you want. Are you sure you don't want to be a girl today? Okay. Mommy's telling me I should be a girl. All right, I'll be a girl. Oh, see, she's so progressive. So super progressive. It's wonderful. Brings a tear to me eye, doesn't it? It's evil. What you're hearing there is evil. And now they're pushing the, they call it gender-affirming care which is puberty blockers, which permanently damage the body. And body mutilation surgery, they're pushing that on children. Younger and younger and younger and younger, always younger and younger. Even uh, Rachel Levine, 
Joe Biden's appointee, the woman of the year, is a man, are pushing this because people who've gone through this want to push this on everybody because they need to feel what, what they're doing is normal, what they feel is normal. They're desperate for acceptance. And so they'll manipulate children into doing it. It's called grooming. That's what they do. And now you got this. This one won't make the rounds. This should. This should be major news. It won't matter because it goes against what the left has decided needs to be done, that children's bodies need to be permanently mutilated. Daily Caller. In early July, the Food and Drug Administration added a warning to multiple gondodropin releasing, I don't know how to pronounce it, hormone GnRH antagonist drugs used as puberty blockers in the gender-confused youth. The FDA identified six cases where a plausible link between the drug uh, and uh, a condition called pseudotumor celebri, which is caused by elevated fluid pressure in the brain, according to the FDA. All six cases were identified in biologically female children between the ages of 5 and 12. Five of the six were being treated for early puberty in the sixth was undergoing transgender care. Transgender drugs, FDA is issuing a warning that transgender drugs calls the brain to swell. Not good. Daily Signal. Puberty blockers earned a warning label from the Food and Drug Administration earlier this month after six minors ages 5 to 12 experienced severe symptoms. The puberty blockers in question were known scientifically, blah, blah, blah. The minors were all biologically female. Goes on and on and on. Quote, we're just going to keep seeing more bad reports. Jennifer Bowden's Family Research Council's director of the Center for Family Studies and a licensed clinical psychologist told the Washington Stand, quote, our bodies are not made for these drugs. So the unscientific campaign to push these drugs on children isn't going to have a good outcome. Your body is not made to be altered like this. It's not made to be, you are a man, you are a man. You are a woman, you are a woman. Your energy would be better spent being comfortable with that and then trying to figure out what the hell else is wrong with you rather than running around spending time and money and taking drugs and having surgeries to try to change that reality because you're never going to change that physical reality. Is it coded in your DNA? It is in your chromosomes. I'm sorry to be the bearer of reality, but it's better that you hear it now. Somebody should have told you this a long time ago, that nobody did or that people who were doing so were shouted down by people who pretend to care about you is a testament to how little they actually do care about you. They have a political agenda. You are a tool. You are a means to an end. And they will plow over you the way they plowed over the graves of 100 million people in the last century. They don't give a damn. And that 100 million people number does not count war dead. It does not count include the, the, uh, the victims, the people who died, the civilians and the soldiers in World War II. It has to do with the people who dared not obey Joseph Stalin, who dared fall on the wrong side of the famines that he caused or the famines that Mao Zedong caused or the people who just crossed paths with Che Guevara, who he thought were gay or black, just killed them. 
because he didn't like them. All these heroes of the left, they did horrible, horrible things, and they're doing horrible and horrible things right now. And they don't care. From Fox 10 in Atlanta. New findings from the Food and Drug Administration show a link between common puberty blocker hormones and serious risks for use to take them. The FDA identified six cases, blah, 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 brain swelling and vision loss. Hmm. Representative Wes Allen, who sponsored the state's ban on those medications, say the block on the state's puberty and hormone ban should be lifted, he says. Quote, only one of the six was transgender care, but yeah, we got to protect these kids. In response to the FDA's finding, Allen tweeted his opponent should, quote, follow the science. They don't care. They don't care. If your children or somebody else's children have to be sacrificed on the altar of progressivism, then they have to be sacrificed on the altar of progressivism. It's for the greater good. The individual is disposable. It's not even just expendable. It is the individual is disposable. That is the gist of their argument against the Second Amendment. Oh, it's a well-regulated militia, not the individual. The individual has no right to protect themselves. How does the individual not have a right to protect themselves in a country that was founded to protect the rights of the individual? No, 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 you don't understand what the founding fathers wanted. This is about the greater good. See, they put the the uh, the common good right there. Yeah, in the preamble to the Constitution, explaining why the Constitution exists, not empowering it. They would not have taken great pains to argue and debate every single word and comma and piece of punctuation in that document if they would secretly, in the preamble, throw in something that said, but you can ignore any of this. Whenever you want. Wink, wink. It's not how it works. The only way to read the Constitution the way Democrats want the Constitution read is to simply not give a damn and hold it in contempt, but recognize that not much of a political future in doing that outside of a few districts in New York and California. So you got to pretend. you got to play along. And quite frankly, you just have to lie and you have to do it with a straight face. And there are far too many people in Washington, D.C. who do that gleefully, openly and far too well. It's really sad and pathetic. Protect the children from these leftists at all costs. I want to shift gears to the U.K. quickly because, and I've made this point before, I'll make it again. And I'll make it more often than not because you sit there and you think, well, England, they're just like us. They're just like us. They are, uh, we were them. We were their colony. and We still get along. We're super friends and they're just like, they're not like us. We are the only country on earth that guarantees individual liberties, individual rights from the state that protects them from the state. Our constitution is unique. Oh, many countries have emulated it, but they haven't gone as far. They didn't want to. That's why it's so absurd to sit there. The Second Amendment isn't about individuals. Oh, well, the First Amendment, the uh, First Amendment's freedom of speech guarantees. It's not about individuals. Oh, really? 
all the other parts of the Bill of Rights are about the individual, but somehow the Second Amendment one, that one's that's a collective right. That was just some housekeeping that they had to do in order to talk about the military. They wanted this militia thing and they didn't they forgot about it when they wrote the body. So they threw this in there as number two. No big deal. It's not about individuals, but all the other ones are. Oh really? Are you sure? Maybe that freedom of speech thing is only about group speech. Maybe. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't joke about it because Democrats would uh, maybe take it seriously and go, you know what, that's not bad. We can control people even more if we do that. Uh, Just how it works out. Well, over in the UK, even though we have a common language, we have a common culture, very similar, although they really love soccer and we don't. Um, very similar otherwise, except their food is terrible and ours isn't. A man was arrested because he tweeted out a meme. A meme is, um, it's like, well, a picture's like a thousand words. That's what a meme is, except they're usually done in a mocking way. So it's a thousand mocking words. Uh, memes might be more closely to like 500 words, but they get a point across. They get a point across. If you've ever seen the, uh, one of my personal favorite memes is the Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder is Willy Wonka thing. And he's, he's leaning over and he's got his hand resting on his head or his head resting on his hand. And he's got this really kind of condescending look on his face. And you can write whatever text you want in there. Like, oh, tell me again about how smart you are or whatever. Or AOC, tell me again about how, uh, how, Drag queens are super patriotic or something like that. These are bad examples. I'm thinking off the top of my head. But these are, uh, that would be a meme. And you tweet that out. This guy took the pride flag and uh, superimposed it over a swastika. Why? Well, because a lot of, particularly the activist gay groups, are pretty much like fascists just being honest with it they're like the nazis their way or the highway and this guy wanted to express that and point that out and it got him arrested you're sitting there what you could tweet that right now you can facebook that until the cows come home some of your friends might not like it some of your family might not like it but the government would have no say no business over it whatsoever that's the united states that's the beauty of our constitution it's also what the left hates about our Constitution. These are the people who tell you that words are violence and silence is violence. Words are violence and silence is violence. Well, what does that leave? That leaves say what we want you to say. That's all it leaves. Say what we want you to say. Otherwise, you don't say anything, you're violence. You're complying and that's violence. If you say what we don't want you to say, that too is violence. So say what we want you to say. At the root of just about everything that the left does is obey. It is obey. So listen to this. It's a little rough to hear because these cops are, uh, it, somebody's filming it on their phone. But this guy wants to know what in the hell is going on and why is he being arrested? The guy filming it also posted the same thing and he's not getting arrested it's a legitimate question for which there is no good answer it's just that uh, the mafia the the lgbtqrstuvwxyz mafia saw one post and didn't see the other and complained 
Which which Hampshire police would realise how ridiculous this is. What did it need to come to? Tell us why you escalated it to this level. Because I don't understand. I posted something that he posted. You come to arrest me, you don't arrest him. Why has it come to this? Why am I in cuffs? Because of something he shared, then I shared. Because someone has been caused, obviously, anxiety based upon your social media page. Somebody has been caused anxiety from your social media post and not his. Somebody has called, caused anxiety. Somebody has been caused anxiety. And so somebody gets arrested. This is the UK. They're nothing like us, ladies and gentlemen. They're nothing like us. No similarities except for the language whatsoever. They even drive on the wrong side of the road. You want to talk about the dangers of progressive government. Look at what's going on over there in the UK. Now, right now, theoretically, the conservatives, and I say it that way, conservatives, because it comes in big air quotes, are the government. They are leading the government. They are the majority. And what do you get? You get people arrested for posting memes that cause other people anxiety. I might point out that anybody who has caused anxiety by a social media post is a fragile little snowflake who is ill-equipped for survival in the real world and should probably focus on that in a very serious way because life is not going to be kind to them. Things are going to go badly for them. Now you have the situation where they're ready to uh, start another or have another prime minister, a new election. Boris Johnson is resigning. One of the leaders, the two final candidates, is somebody, a former member of parliament called Liz Truss. You want to see, she's a Tory. She's supposedly a conservative over there. She is calling for more. Now, they left, they they did the Brexit because of what? Because of unfettered immigration, their immigration policies being at the whims and wills of the European Union. The European Union being wildly wide open border. If somebody got into one European Union country illegally or whatever, then they could go to any of them. And the UK said, we don't want illegal aliens coming over here. You're remaking our country and our culture. No. And they left the European Union for it. They took a vote and we're out. And the politicians were like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to be a part of that cool clique. So they slow walked it. And now one of the two surviving Tories who is going to be one of the two people who's going to be the next prime minister, Liz Truss, is saying she wants to allow more immigrants into the country to help with farming because you know the agriculture has shortfalls in staffing uk daily telegraph or uk telegraph is reporting this we have far too many quote tory leadership candidate would allow thousands more foreign workers entry to the uk to deal with shortfalls in agriculture millions of illegals and new arrivals or whatever you want to call them over there have entered the UK in the past few years, which was the cause of Brexit. And yet the so-called conservatives over there are saying, well, we need more now because somebody has to pick the fruit. What about the millions that are already there? 
that you're not getting rid of, that you've chosen to keep. What about them? Maybe they could do the job. But no, they're too busy suckling the government teat, getting the welfare. Just like in this country where you've got the mayor of D.C. and the mayor of New York whining that illegal aliens are eating up too many of the resources meant for American poor. At least they're complaining about it here, Democrats are. Over there, the so-called conservatives just want to import more of it. It's a waste. Last couple of things here before we uh, ship you off till tomorrow. NBC News. Love this. New York Governor Kathy Hochul declares state disaster emergency over monkeypox. (laughs) One in four cases of the virus is in New York State, Hochul said. The declaration could bolster government efforts to fight it off and vaccinate residents. Stop screwing around. All right. Hey, if you meet some, if you're gay and you meet somebody and you, you know, maybe just say, hey, instead of having sex today, why don't we wait a week? I know the horror, the horror, a whole week. Oh, my God. But why don't we wait a week, not have sex with anybody else and see if either one of us breaks out into pustules? If we don't, we're pretty much good to go, provided we don't then go to bathhouses and have sex with anybody and everybody. That'd be a simple message that politicians could, I don't know, convey pretty easily, I think, in perhaps more artful language than I have just done. But still, I think that they could do it. But no, it's a state of emergency. New York Governor Kathy Hochul declared a state disaster emergency Friday night over the continued spread of monkeypox. The announcement was followed Saturday by a public health emergency declaration in New York City. Hochul said for AIDS, they just put bowls of condoms on like the guidance counselor's desks. (laughs) That was going to kill you. Why don't they do something like, hey, you know what? Wear this. No, I don't like to do that. Well, then when you get monkeypox, I don't want to hear about it. I'm not willing to spend a whole bunch of money to make an emergency out of something that people could easily avoid. Right? Just don't engage in this activity. Take your time. Try a relationship for once. Who doesn't love a good orgy in a bathhouse, right? But, you know, maybe take a month to just go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on me for a minute and find out what in the hell is wrong with me as a human being that I engage in this activity with regularity, even though it could get me something that could kill me or something that would make me wish I was dead and was wildly painful? No, no, the politicians just pander. Again, it goes to the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ, the alphabet mafia. They control everything. You can't point out, no, saying that you shouldn't engage in random voluminous amounts of random anonymous sex is a hate crime really then i'm guilty of a hate crime i i can't pretend anymore to care you want me to care i care there's your solution there's your solution that solves what i said it solves the problem take a time out they didn't have to be forever take a time out get a circle of friends a circle of random people all pledge that you won't do anything with anybody for a week and you'll only do it with inside your group after that if none of you break out in these hives and these pustules. And then you go go to town, knock yourself out. But no, apparently the lure of random people is just too much. Oh, wait, 
I I accidentally slept with somebody I knew and had emotions for last night. It was a horrible experience. I must go and cleanse my palate with somebody I've never met before and will never see again. So sick, and the state's going to bend over backwards for this. Yeah, there's a, a way to avoid it. Just don't get it. All right. Speaking of somebody you should avoid. Kamala Harris, not having a good, it's not a good time to be Kamala Harris. Not that it's ever a good time to be Kamala Harris. The way she got into politics is, uh, well, leave a bad taste in your mouth. You don't want to uh, get into anything the way she did. But uh, New York Magazine has a piece today, the Kamala conundrum. She's a victim, you see. Says, uh, political news rarely gets much grimmer than it did for Joe Biden on July 26th when he was greeted by a surprise poll showing that he, were he to run again in a contested primary in New Hampshire, he might command less than one-fifth of the vote. It was a far-fetched hypothetical. The likes of Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren won't challenge him if he runs for re-election, but the dearth of support for a sitting president was still galling. Galling. She's galling. That's horrible. How dare they? And yet improbably, the news was even worse for his presumptive heir, Kamala Harris, who is all the way down in single digits. Racism. The Democrats are racist. The vice presidency is, by definition, a nearly impossible job. There's the prestige and the one heartbeat away of it all, but few defined responsibilities and political pitfalls at every turn. See, Kamala Harris is a victim. She's a victim. I love it. The uh, you got these horrible situations. A horrible situation here. The uh, vice presidency, because you don't have any defined responsibility. Well, Joe Biden has defined the responsibilities he's given her. She's in charge of the border. And she did a horrible job at it. She's failed miserably at it, like she has at just about everything else she's done. It's not Joe Biden's fault she sucks at her job. Willie Brown's fault, maybe, but not Joe Biden's fault. You can blame Joe Biden for a lot, but not that. you got to love the way they frame this stuff. She's a victim. 18 months in, thanks to a combination of Biden's age and unpopularity, the lingering pandemic and punishing inflation, a relentless opposition, and, most visibly, her own struggles to communicate a satisfactory role for herself, Harris has reached an unparalleled low point. Now, you love that. Her own failure, her own struggles to communicate a satisfactory role for herself. It's a... It's a lot of words to just go, people don't like her because she's uh, creepy and disingenuous. There you go. Solves the problem. Puts it right out there. Quote, there's a cruel irony to the thing, which you are almost as big a target as the president for uh, the opposition and critics. But by definition, you need to keep a lower profile because no one wants to upstage the boss. And you don't ever want to be in a position where you're saying anything even a millimeter differently, said a veteran operative who worked for three Democratic vice presidents. Harris is partly a victim of an enormous of the enormous expectations placed on her when Biden <laughs> she's a victim <laughs> placed on her when Biden thought he was electing a future leader of a vibrant, thriving post-Trump Democratic Party. 
And if you ask some of her supporters, she may be one of the few things keeping the Biden administration's languishing popularity barely afloat. Leaving to, she's she's bringing it up. She's an anchor. <sighs> Leaving uh, keeping the Biden administration to keep uh, blah blah blah. Biden administration's languishing popularity barely afloat, leaving Democrats with a conundrum: a successor in waiting who is just as disliked as a standard bearer, but is also exactly as irreplaceable. Scheidenfreude, ladies and gentlemen. They painted themselves into a corner with Biden. They painted themselves into a corner with Kamala Harris. They can't replace Kamala Harris. She's wildly unpopular. She's not helping Joe. They can't force Biden out. But they could force Harris out. They could pick somebody who's more popular that might help Joe Biden. But they can't do it without being called a racist and a sexist and a this and a that and the other thing. It's the monster they created. Frankenstein's monster always returns to burn the castle. It's glorious when it happens. Couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. Suffer, Democrats. Suffer. We're out of time for today. No more suffering here. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. I appreciate you listening. Thanks. See you tomorrow.